Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 48, and it's going to be a recap of episode 38. Remember, I told you I messed up, um, and uh, those particular episodes, for some reason, are restricted only to Spotify. Um, so I'm going to do a rereading of those chapters. This one is going to be the Sunday reading. Um, so before we begin, please subscribe and share, uh, to my podcast. If you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, uh, once in a while I do make mistakes. Um, I messed up on the editing. I realize also. So anyway, let's begin, uh, with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Christe Alision, Christe Alision, Christe Alision, Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision. Okay. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father. Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son. Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, so... The reading is going to be from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 to 20. Um, it's, I will raise up a prophet and I will put my words into his mouth. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to all the people saying, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin to whom you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, lest we die. And the Lord said to me, This was well said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin, and I will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I commanded him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak, or speak in the name of other gods, he shall die. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'll read it one more time. A reading from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, 15 to 20. Moses spoke 
to all the people, saying, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, lest we die. And the Lord said to me, This was well said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin, and I will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I command him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak, or speak in the name of other gods, he shall die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So reading this, uh, Moses, this is uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and it's getting close to Moses' years. is ending. A lot of the books like um, Numbers, um, Leviticus, including Deuteronomy, as well as Exodus, they kind of like interfold a little bit, except for Exodus ends when they make the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. But much of it also is obviously involves Moses and uh, the years that he was involved in the life of Israel, 40 years. Uh, my goodness, I mean, in many cases, they, uh, Moses, uh, his entire life, his entire uh, later years of his life, was involved in helping the Israelites trying to get them to leave behind their paganism because they were paganistic. That generation that came out of Egypt never made it to the promised land, uh, nor did Moses himself. <laughs> yeah. Nor did Moses himself was ever, uh, ever made it. He, you know, he never got a chance to see it. Because, um, because of what happened, he, when they're complaining and grumbling, and their lack of faith, uh, cost him. Uh, you know, they never learned to completely trust God. They never learned to put their trust in Him. Uh, they, the they wanted to, they would go back. You know, it's funny, like they said, it's true. You, When they say that certain people uh, become uh, victims, uh, people who are abusers become dependent on their, uh, their oppressor. They, they become a dependent and they themselves wanted to go back to Egypt. It was a life they only knew. They only knew the life of being a of being a subservient person. They only knew the uh, the life of being an abused person. They only knew the life of being an oppressed person. They they knew nothing. They knew they, they didn't know how it would be to be a free person, and that's a dangerous thing, as you can see, because the paganism of of paganism is not just 
um, worshiping a pagan god or living in a pagan idol system, it's also pretty much being dependent on the idol system. They could not walk away. They could not walk away from it. They saw all the miracles. They saw they, 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 all the miracles didn't make a difference to them. But turning the water to blood, uh, the, the toads, the hail from the sky, three day, uh, the, the days of darkness, three days of darkness, I guess you could say, well, they were given. Um, they, they couldn't do it. They, couldn't, they, 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 they could not comprehend the power. All they can, all the, the, that could not break their paganism. It could not make them see the power of God. After all that, you brought us out here to die. Why couldn't you just leave us alone back in Egypt? They couldn't, they couldn't stop. They couldn't, they couldn't let go of it. Is it, does it mean that God could not fight? Um, no. It means miracles don't make a difference to some people. Faith is, I guess we can say it, that faith can some, is more powerful, can be more powerful maybe at times than a miracle. Faith can only confirm, can for some people can confirm their, uh, I mean, miracles can confirm uh, a person's faith. But if faith is the reality, faith is an experience that one has to experience. But for some people, it doesn't make a difference. All the miracles in the world will not make them break away from their idolatry. Their idolatry is something deeper. It doesn't make a difference to them. It's something deep and it... It, it, it's it's it whole it, it, it it's I don't know what it is because I really truly believe it's pride it's pride it's pride in Egypt they knew they can get that the, they can get their their food in Egypt they knew that they can get what they want which is pretty much saying the same thing. And uh, the life in Egypt is something they can, they, they, can, they can hold on to. Faith in God. Uh, God and his miracles was not enough for them. Because what God was, what God was giving them, the freedom that God was giving them, was not something they wanted. They didn't want the freedom. They wanted the system, the idolatry they knew was was enough for them. And I think maybe this is this is this is what this is why some people don't repent of their sins. It doesn't matter what miracle they get. What miracle they get doesn't matter to them. No miracle will ever will will uh will ever convince them it doesn't matter if it doesn't conform to the life that they desperately want uh you know the then that's fine 
God can keep his miracles. Yeah, idolatry is something far more deeper. And yet this idolatry cost them the lives of their children and that was okay for them. And even though their idolatry, this slavery to their idolatry would cost them the life of their future children born under the lash of Egyptian oppression, it didn't make a difference to them. They did not love their future. They didn't even love their children enough to want to break away from it. There's some people like that. Some people like that. They can't, they can't leave uh, the system. Even for, their, even for the love of their own children, they can't leave the system. Love for God or love for their children? Or a better future for their children. They can't even sacrifice. They can't even bear. Give that sacrifice. So it goes to show you how powerful the system can be. It's unbelievably frightening. In a sense. Because idolatry is, is the will. The heart. The mind. You know. And everything. And they. You know. It's It's dangerous. You know, I mean, even in a political system like ours, the the system gives you, gives you food, gives you drink, and it gives you a roof over your head. But what happens? What happens if it if it's going to cost the salvation of your kids? In a system like this, they can indoctrinate your children. Are you willing? to pack up and leave and go someplace else. Some people know. Why? We have a roof over our head. We got a, you know, we got a, a, food, a food card. You know, they'll give you a, a welfare card. And there's a school you can go to. But the fact is, it's, it's the trap. It's a trap. Because this in school, they're telling your child there is no God. In school, they're telling your child they can't pray. In school, they're telling your child, you know, they're indoctrinating your child in in a, in a corrupt way about the sexes. You gotta be careful. You really do have to be, you have to be very careful because this is how the devil works. And if you're not careful, it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you seriously. All right, let's move on to the responsorial psalm. It's going to be Psalm 95. Okay, so it's going to be Psalm 95. This is used for um, the liturgy of the hours for the morning prayer or the office of reading, actually. Okay, uh, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us sing joyful song, psalms to him. If, you, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For he is our God. We are his people. He shepherds the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. 
Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the days of Massa, as in the desert, when your fathers tempted me, they tested me, they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, this actually is calling back to what happened in the ex uh, during the years of 40 years in the desert. It's reminding them of what they did. Uh, how they, 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 when they complained and grumbled, you know, if, you know, when your father come, let us bow down and worship and kneel. Um, and it goes on here. Here it is. It, the part where it says the desert, when you hardened your hearts at Meribah, as in the day of testing at Massa in the desert, when your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they had seen my works meaning they've seen all the miracles. It's reminding them of their lack of faith. It's reminding them how much they held on to their lives in Egypt when their fathers did that. They complained and grumbled no matter what happened. They, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, all those things didn't seem to matter to them. It didn't seem to matter at all what, you know, what he did for them. And, it's it's a very it's a very dangerous thing. God has given us in the Catholic Church salvation through Jesus Christ. He has given us the sacraments, communion. His Jesus Christ is giving us his body and blood, soul and divinity, his very his very self. And look what we're doing. Look what we're doing. Look of how our politicians, our fellow brothers and sisters who are members of the church, look at the fact that our priests and our bishops are casting the, the body and blood, soul and divinity of our lords down for, for, for politics, for safety. We're willing to throw him away. The most precious thing, the Eucharist, the most precious thing we we have that's been given to us for our salvation, food for our soul, the very key to heaven is being treated like trash. You see how we fall for it. Again, comfort. And we just recently, I mean, I know it's basically... Um, the news just came out, but everybody knew it was happening. They just they just received. It turns out under the shutdown, they got three three billion dollars. Three billion dollars. Three billion dollars with a B from the government. This is our taxpayers' money. They basically are so willing to become uh, a a state church, like the like the the German bishops. The German bishops. Get get you know you know how they get their their tithing they get it their, they get their tithing through taxes. All the churches have to submit themselves to the government. That the government has to know how much money they're getting from from the from the taxpayer. So they didn't have to do the so called bishop, um, uh, pledge every, uh this year. They got three billion dollars. 
And in Germany, if you decide you don't want your tithing to go to them, guess what happens? They'll send you a letter in the mail because you have to fill it out and you have to say, I don't want my, my tithing to go. And the bishop finds out it, the diocese finds out about it, and then they tell you you're no longer Catholic or you're, you're, you're excommunicated. You see how they do it? And they don't have to talk about abortion. They don't have to talk about gay marriage. They don't have to talk about sodomy. They don't have to talk about any sin. Because why rock the boat when you're, get, when you're getting it that easy? That's idolatry. That's betrayal. I mean, seriously, $3 billion. <laughs> hey, Judas went for 30 pieces of silver. What's the difference? What's the difference? And I mean, look at, you know, seriously, I mean, look what it says here in Deuteronomy, right? They were afraid to hear God's voice. We don't want to hear his voice. Let him not, let him not talk to us. And they were right. They shut their ears. Here in, in the Psalm, they're reminded of their betrayal, of how they, how they grumbled. Even the young, the, the new generation grumbled at times. They, they grumbled, they sinned. He's your shepherd. He is your shepherd. He knows what's right for your soul. Okay, we should not be afraid. We should not be afraid of the government. They should not be afraid, but they have. Something went wrong. They decided they'd rather go for Pharaoh, go for Caesar. They don't fear. They, they don't believe the shepherd of their souls is real. They don't believe that he will that, that that his presence is real. Something terribly happened, not just with the shepherds, but also with 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 our people. It all went. Something went wrong. Something went terribly wrong. Okay, let's go for the uh, second reading. Okay, so now we're. Uh, hold on. I think I went a page ahead. Okay, here it is. This is the um, first reading is from Corinthians. Uh, let me see. The second reading is from Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 to 35. A virgin is anxious about the things of the Lord that she may be holy. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I should like to be free. I should like you to be free from anxiety. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the, of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is anxious about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy in both body and spirit. A married woman, on the other hand, is anxious about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm telling you this for your own benefit, not to impose a restraint upon you, but for the sake of pro uh, a propriety and adherence to the Lord without distraction. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Okay, now, St. Paul here, um, 
is not saying that married people are not the married state of life. The family state is less. I think what he's talking about here, I mean, we all know what he's talking about here. He's talking about those who, who are married, you know, they have responsibility to their families. And, you know, sometimes those particular people, um, the religious life, um, the, the religious life, I mean, you, you, you know your place. You're, you're fulfilling God's will by paying attention to your family. And so your home, raise your home, your family wife, your family life, your wife, your kids. You have to pay attention to make sure that they're holy. And sometimes there are people who want to serve in the church, but, you know, they sometimes may find that, you know, um, church uh, service uh, is can be conflicting. You got wife, you got kids, you got to work. And some people may feel that they're they're torn. You know, they they may feel overwhelmed. I'm I'm just I'm just simply saying I think I do think there's some people that that find themselves in that situation. And then maybe they might get bitter about it and angry about it, but they shouldn't. Uh, a good example, I think a good role model for uh, a, a, a good holy family is uh, St. Thomas More. Uh, although he was uh, a government, he was a man who served in his government. A good example is how he didn't let the government um, destroy his family. You know, King Henry VIII wanted him to come to court, to live in the court. But in Henry Henry's court, the the situation is the king did not live a holy life. He was an adulterer. He uh, overindulged in a lot of things. He had a lot of there was a lot of temptation in King Henry Henry's court. Thomas More himself knew about it because people tried to bribe him every day to, you know, as a judge. And Thomas More often said it gets worse every day. The temptations, the bribery gets worse. So much so that it often it was it became tempting for Thomas More. It became very tempting for, for Thomas More. All the temptations became extremely heavy it be, to the point that it became sexual favors people were offering him and we know we hear about this we hear scandals how people have taken bribes in government to to, for, to overlook certain things and how much it could destroy their lives we, we hear about this all the time and in Thomas More's case yes so Thomas More had to practice, had to, had to realize that this could destroy him. The the bribes, if he falls, if he falls into that temptation, if he loses his control of his senses, his reasoning, and eventually someone blackmails him, uses this against him, it could destroy him and his family. 
his reputation and his relationship with the king and most of all his relationship with God. Because once you fall into that temptation, then there's fear of discovery. And usually it leads to more sins being committed, violence. And then your family will start to notice the changes in you. Your friends will notice the changes in you. And then when you think that no one's ever going to discover, no one's ever going to find out. A good example uh, in the time of Henry VIII is the Bolins. The Bolins, the uh, Anne Bolins family, they used violence to, 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 to achieve their goals. You know, um, but for, you know, but in this case, what I'm saying here is for a man who has children and who has limited time, it's, he, he's not saying that God doesn't fit into a married man's life. No, what he's saying is your family and your household are your responsibility. Making sure you keep a holy household is your responsibility. He didn't mention kids here, but it's true. You're, you have to fulfill, you're, you're fulfilling God's will by keeping your children holy. A good, a good example is someone like Dr. Taylor Marshall. He has uh, uh, the St. Thomas Institute, and he. Some people even wondered why couldn't he have become an Anglican, uh, become married, a married priest? They do allow some married priests. In this case, Thomas More would be under the authority of a bishop, and he wouldn't be able to do the things that he's doing. His bishop would tell him that he has to stop his podcasts. Besides, he would be completely overwhelmed with parish life fulfilling his his life in the parish and he would you know as intelligent as he was he probably would go far and he's a very and and you know and he and he's he was a he's a man who probably would go far in the church but he would never have the freedom to write and talk the way he is because when you're when you're under the authority of a bishop you you have to fulfill your obligation to God by being obedient to your bishop so the answer, I think, is no. He's better off being free. Okay, Scott Hahn was himself a Presbyterian minister. Maybe at the time he could have entered the church by being uh, a priest, but again, he probably wouldn't be able to, to teach, to preach and teach in this, uh, that is, as a professor to some extent. There's, there's a certain level of obedience, obedience, you have to fulfill that obedience. You have to fulfill that if you're going to be a minister, a priest. And that's important. But Scott Hahn, I think, you know, uh, being a college professor, uh, especially being a someone who teaches uh, theology at a at a Catholic university, an Orthodox Catholic university, um, I think is enough. You know, I mean, 
I don't think you're going to be making much money either way. I mean, you know, because Catholic universities are not exactly the most popular thing, let's say, competing with all the other universities that kids want to go to. But still, it was a fulfilling thing because he was he was close to God. He was doing God's work. You know, um, there's a certain, you know, you know, there's a certain thing. I mean, a man's responsibility is his household, his family and keeping them holy is is enough but like i said there's also those who don't have god in their heart as much who don't who maybe who are not as religious maybe they just partially they go to church only on sunday the rest of the week god is, doesn't fit in and usually you can tell on family life i think the best way to look at it is sunday nights sunday night football right they just had a, a big football game, right? If everybody was mostly uh, obsessed with the football game on Sunday and they weren't thinking much about God, then that pretty much says everything to you right there. All right, let's go to the next, uh, to, to the reading. Okay, the Alleluia Antiphon from Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. Alleluia, Alleluia, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light on those dwelling in the land overshadowed by death. Light has arisen. Alleluia, alleluia. Uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. He taught them as one having authority. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Then they came to Capernaum. And on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught them. He taught, that's it, I'm sorry. They came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes in their synagogue. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority he commanded even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. Okay, one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit, he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Come out of him. The unclean, the unclean spirit convulsed him, and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority he commanded even the unclean spirits, and they obeyed him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
All right, so, so this is the beginning, practically right at the start of Jesus' ministry. Uh, the other day, I think we just did, uh, um, this is a recap because it didn't get posted um, everywhere in all the podcasts. Um, so th this one here, Jesus, after he's encountered the apostles, called them. I mean, I'm, there's more to the encounter uh, because we know this by Luke's account. Uh, and then we also know this by, uh, you know, John's um, John's gospel, that the account, there's more layers to it. There's more layers. Uh, this here is obviously following, because um, Mark is following Peter. And Jesus goes into the synagogue and uh, his preaching, people have heard him preach already. They heard him call people to repentance. Uh, they already heard about the multiplication of the fish, the the miracle of the fish catching for uh, for Peter and uh, the sons of Zebedee. He goes into the synagogue and he simply takes over. He starts teaching, and his teaching is not like the scribes. He's he teaches with unbelievable authority. He's he knows the scriptures because he knows them. He knows the prophets. He knows the scriptures because he obviously he himself is the word of God. He he was the one who gave the message to the to the prophets. He's the one who gave the law to Moses. Remember, if you see the Father, you see me. He hear he, he who hears the Father hears me. I and my Father are one and the same. And in the synagogue, there's a man who's possessed, possessed with a demon. And he starts crying out and screaming, just telling the people not to listen and yelling at Jesus. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And then Jesus tells him to be silent and come out of the man. And the man just freezes, locks up, convulse, screaming, collapsed to the ground, and the demon left him. And even the people realize he has authority over demons. He commands them, and they obey him. And they've never seen anything like it. And, the, and, you know, and it, his fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. Couldn't keep that one quiet because he was right there in front of on stage in front of everyone, and that that pretty much says who he is. He teaches with authority, because notice the people notice he teaches with authority and he commands the demons with authority. They've never seen anything like it. But the Pharisees, the scribes, turn it around. They 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 invert it. They say he is controlled by demons. That's why he can cast out demons. They want to get the people's attention away from him. They, they don't like the fact that the people have noticed that he teaches with authority. Later on, we see that he, you know, after this, he goes out of the synagogue, goes into Simon Peter's house. And then we find out he healed. Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. And he touches her hand, lifts her up, and the fever leaves her. 
And then later on in the evening, the people bring all their sick and all their possessed to the front door of Simon Peter. And he heals the people. He casts out the demons. The reason why is they couldn't bring their sick during the day because it was the Sabbath. So in the evening, the Sabbath is over and they can do that. We see his authority, his, his authority over, over, you know, over these things. It's fantastic. He can do these things. He has authority and he can do these things. No one can question who he is. He is the Christ. He is the Christ. He is, he has power and he has authority. He teaches with authority. He commands with authority. Later on, they will learn about him when they get in a boat, when he's asleep. He falls asleep on the cushion and they're scared and he commands the winds with authority. The wind and the sea. Then he will cast out the the, the, the demoniac in, in, in the Garrison demoniac, Gennesaret, and the people there will notice his power and authority and they will ask him to leave because they're terrified because the region is... Um, there's a lot of demonic activity there, but he tells the man who was possessed to go back and tell your friends and family what mercy the Lord has done for you. On the other side, the synagogue official's daughter, a little girl, is sick and dying. She dies, and on his way to heal her, he, there will be a woman, an older woman. Now we'll see a contrast, a young girl and an older woman. The older woman has had a bleeding problem for for years, all her life, and all her money couldn't, the doctors couldn't help her, but she touches the hem of his garment and she's healed of her, of her ailment. And then he'll bring back the little girl to life. And then he goes back into the boat, back to the same region where the demoniac was, and everybody heard about what he did on the synagogue's, the official's daughter, and the woman he healed, the one who touched him by the hem of his garment, the people ask if they could just touch his tassel. They bring out their sick, their demonic. The demoniac did a lot of good preaching. The people there and the people heard the news, so they knew it was true. So they touched just the hem of his garment, his, his, his tassel, and they're healed. So you see the faith in the people. They realize they realize that who he is, he is the Christ. And it keeps spreading. Jesus is, is, you know, is the, you know, is, is the authority. He has the authority of God. He has the power of God. He can heal. He can save. Now, all that, the healing and miracles are good. But if you don't have faith, and if you're just after miracles, but you're not after faith, then your then your 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 faith is that your your miracle is not going to be anything. There has to be greater. There has to be faith. Faith in Him. Miracles will cease, as Saint Paul said. But faith is something you need more because your entire life has to change, and that is the greater miracle. I know it's hard. It's hard, but. People need to understand that your faith is more important 
you changing, becoming a new creature in Christ, your whole life changing, becoming a new life in Christ is far more important. That is the greater miracle. That is the ultimate miracle. When God is the beginning, the middle and end all of your life, your entire life, that one, not, no one can separate you from God. No one can separate your faith in God. No one can, can, you know, it's impossible to know where your life begins and where God's, where God, the faith in God begins. That's what's important. Okay. So, um, let's go to the, um, to the, uh, Nessing Creed. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Folks, um, I want to thank you. I hope this is helpful. Uh, I know it's probably, if you hear the original uh, podcast, it'll be a little bit different. Uh, but unfortunately, because, uh, I felt bad that it was not, um, posted on, uh, on all the platforms. I wanted to do it again. Um, but you know, it might be slight, it'll be different, uh, interpretation, I'm sure, but it, the heart of it is pretty much they're all there. So God bless and I'll be back soon.